Hello, you're listening to the WAMDA podcast. My name is Triska Hamid and I'm the editor at WAMDA. In Dubai, where we are based, the infection rate of the COVID-19 virus is decreasing. The government has lifted lockdown measures and the private sector can now resume operations at 100% capacity. This means that staff can now legally go back to their offices. Whether companies will rush back remains to be seen, but what is clear is that things have changed. The way we interact with one another has changed. The way we work has changed, and for many, their business plans have changed. In a recent report published by the WAMDA Research Lab, 71% of startups in the Middle East and North Africa stated that the coronavirus pandemic had had a negative impact on their business. To survive, the majority had changed their business plans to adapt. But it hasn't been a disaster for everyone, and many are still surviving. At WAMDA, we also had to make changes and adapt to the new situation. This January, WAMDA launched the second cohort of its fellowship programme, WAMDA X. It is a grant-based programme that identifies tenacious founders and startup teams with the potential to found successful businesses. One of the requirements of the programme is to relocate to Dubai for four months, to make use of the co-working space and to have direct access to the WAMDA team and the network of mentors, who are crucial to the programme. But plans changed in the last month of the WAMDA X programme, and instead of having workshops in person, they were conducted online. For the startups themselves, they also had to implement changes, and for quite a few, it has become a positive experience. Because what this pandemic has caused is a reassessment of priorities, and an acceleration of certain strategies. So what happens when things don't go according to plan? Well, you pivot, you adapt, and you do it quickly. In this podcast, I spoke with WAMDA X coordinator, Annalise Feeney, and two of the startups that graduated, Hollow and Simply New Cars, who both shared their experiences. So Annalise, hello. Hi, Triska. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, thank you for asking. So tell us about this WAMDA X cohort. How many people applied? So this is the second cohort of WAMDA X. Um, in total, we had 650 applications and we took that down to about 280 phone calls into two stages. And then we had 36 people come for in-person interviews. And finally, we had 13 companies and one individual join the programme. And where were these companies from? Uh, they were all regionally focused, um, Egypt, some came from Saudi, Lebanon, and majority of them were based in the UAE. And uh, how did this one compare to the first cohort? This was a much larger cohort. The first cohort, we only had um, seven companies at the start and we graduated two companies at the end. Whereas this com cohort, we had 13 companies, one individual and graduated 11 companies at the end of the programme. Uh, we split the programme up this time into three stages as well. X start, X solve and X scale. Um, and we focused more on looking at teams rather than individuals. Can you explain a little bit more about the different stages and what they had to do at each stage? Yeah, the first stage was X start, which was an extension to the selection process. Um, and the grant was no strings attached. So at the end of that first month, there was actually two companies which we decided to no longer take on. And then what happens with the second? Does the programming become heavier? Do they get more mentorship? How does it work? Yes, exactly. So as soon as the second month starts, that's when the grant size increases from the $3,000 to the $9,000 per month. Okay. Um, and we brought in a company called Growth Studio who came in and did two intense weeks of 
workshops working closely with the startups they further validated their business models and their value propositions helped on their pitch training and really brought out their confidence and they stepped up the mark okay Um, and the final stage the final stage was x scale okay uh, which was an extension to demo day we actually had to take that digitally this time okay so let's talk about that i mean most of the programming was done in face-to-face normal era um, pre-covid how did the coronavirus impact the wonder x program so normally we're very lucky because the wonder x space is just down the corridor from the wonder office so we're able to work really closely with the founders and they can come in whenever they need help we can pop by we brought the mentors to them and we had that interaction so when we had to make the decision to take it digitally it was a bit of a challenge but everyone still came together and we were able to continue with our workshops online and doing those virtually. We then had to take the decision to take Demo Day online um, over the course of two days. It was actually quite good because we were able to extend our outreach to the full region rather than an in-person event. We're restricted to only UAE investors attending. We had a really good turnout and found that everyone was still as interactive and engaged online as they would be in person so we didn't actually see any difference or any downside to taking it online. And were any of the startups successful in raising funding from a virtual demo day? Yes there's been no difference at all to having a virtual demo day and having one in person. The startups have still been able to have these conversations with these investors and those conversations are still going and they're still able to get commitments from investors. So one of the unique aspects of the X programme is the mentorship that comes with it. And I think it's the only one where the mentors actually get an equity stake in the startups that take part. Can you explain a little bit more about how mentors engage with the startups? Yeah, so the programme is mentor-based, which plays a huge part in the programme itself. The fellows have to match with our pool of mentors and work closely with them to build on those relationships. And it's up to both parties to keep those relationships going. We found that each startup would match with around three or four mentors in total, um, all from different industries. They could help them with different aspects of, of their business. Some mentors involved were Hossam Arab, Tarek El Titi, Natalie Spree and Patrick Rogers. Big names. Yeah, all founders that have successful businesses we incorporate from our portfolio. Really good industry experts that are really able to give them good expertise and help them. The programme is, for that for the mentors themselves, the, the mentorship is equity driven. In total, there's 1.5% of an equity pool for engaged mentors. And those fellows at the end of the programme have to tell us, these are the four or three mentors that really helped me. And they would go into that equity pool. So how exactly do the mentors engage with the startups? What role do they play with them? We found that it's important for the fellows to hear firsthand from other founders within the ecosystem on their past struggles, objections and how they overcame them. They learn the importance of building relationships with your co-founder, establishing role splits, work balance, how and when to hire teams and how to establish company culture. So the mentors would would give these workshops and fireside chats um, to inform them. Sometimes the fellows would go to their offices and see their operations and how it works. And they would have, as well as the workshops, they would have one-to-ones with their their matched fellows. So since the start, like you said, it was all done in person at the Womda X uh, co-working space, but aspects of it ended up going online because of the coronavirus. Do you think going forward that this is something that will perhaps take place more online? How do you think WAMDA X will look like going forward? 
This is something we are currently looking at. So there are many, many benefits to conducting parts of the programme online, just like the demo day giving us a wider reach. However, there are some aspects to an in-person programme which you can't compare to online, building that relationship in person with someone. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Elise. Thank you, Triska. So the online graduation turned out to be a success. And to share their experience, I spoke with Hollow's founders, Michael Hunter and Aaron Summerhill. Aaron is the one who speaks first and Michael is the Scottish one. Hi, hello. Please introduce yourselves and, and tell us exactly what it is that you do. Holo is the first digital uh, application and tracking platform uh, in the Middle East specialising in home loans. We kind of had a look at what was being done in more established markets. We've, we've been in this industry in the UAE for 15 years combined. Had a look at what was being done elsewhere. Um, we understood that nothing had really advanced within our industry within that the kind of the past eight years. And we really just wanted to bring um, our industry that we're very passionate about into kind of the modern era. Um, and that, that's kind of how Holo was born to, to allow applicants who are buying property or own property within this region to apply for their financing digitally from any connected device anywhere in the world 24 seven and be able to get easy access to information and track the application for their home loans online. This isn't a relatively new concept, is it? No, so this is a concept that we had been closely monitoring in other countries. So in the UK and the US, this is a, a very advanced marketplace and digital home loans and digital advisory is very, very common. So we kept an eye on these markets, had seen how these companies had progressed over the last 18 months and developed a platform that was suited to the UAE region. Why did it take so long for this part of the world to you know, establish something like this and become comfortable with uh, a service like this? It's interesting. I mean, that's a very, very good question. We don't have a, a, a good answer for it. We feel that in the region, if it's not broken, then don't fix it. And it's only taken till now. One of our barriers was how is the market going to adapt to this type of platform? Now, given recent circumstances where unfortunately uh, there was a breakdown in people not being able to go to offices, not being able to meet people, um, that is what has allowed us um, or effectively growth hacked our um, moving forward our ability to, to get it out to customers. So, so really, I think it was a case of the, the consumers were, were there, there was no need for them to, to do it this way uh, previously. And from a, a banking point of view, it wasn't broken, so they didn't need to fix it. I think as well within the region, kind of when it comes to banking, everything's always been done kind of face to face over a coffee or a cup of tea. And people like that handshake and that that's the way it's been done in the middle east for years even if we look back to kind of e-commerce and how slow people were to to catch on to to standard e-commerce sites obviously then it kind of exploded with with souk and so on but yeah i mean within the region things were progressing over the last few years it's really kind of played into our hands 
And there has been a move from the banks internally, a bit more kind of digitization coming in in their processing. You've now got digital banks um, appearing within the region. And we're just trying to position ourselves at the, at the front of that. It's to, to kind of be the forerunners in, in digital lending of any nature, um, certainly in home loans. Then let's say Holo is, is kind of primed and, and, and ready to go and kind of ride the, the, the wave of digitization within the region, within banking. So basically, this coronavirus pandemic has accelerated your growth and your plans rather than hindered it. Yeah, I mean, we were building kind of ahead of the curve. So the plan was to build the infrastructure, go out to banks and then pitch to them and look, you need to catch up with digitization. And we had two kind of major roadblocks and one of them was the banks needing kind of wet signatures on all their applications and then the second one was the uh, land department requiring people to physically be there to, to transfer on the properties. We thought we'll build our platform, we'll get the banks involved and then we'll overcome these, these kind of roadblocks further down the line. And with kind of the onset of COVID, both of those issues have been pretty much resolved for us. The banks had to look at um, allowing digital or soft applications for their mortgages. And the land department had to implement um, remote or digital transfers. And those were the two headaches that we really couldn't overcome without physically going and sitting with people and, and making proposals. Those are pretty much out of the way or 80% out of the way now in the fact that there have been changes that have had to have been implemented. And yeah, it's, it really has kind of played into our hands. I mean, when lockdown first happened, what was your initial reaction? Did you think that it would end up being a positive thing for your business? So when we first found out about lockdown, that there was positivity from our side as we understand our platforms accessible 24-7. There was a flip side of that that we were concerned of people buying new properties. So originally when we set out with Holo, it was to help the consumer looking to buy a property, a new purchase. We had to have effectively an emergency meeting to decide how are we going to move forward? What, what other avenues are there to allow us to generate an income and also help our customers? We then quickly realised that it opens up a, another opportunity for us. So as it stands at the moment, due to the, the nature of what's happened, we had to make a pivot and we've decided to help existing homeowners uh, find better options with mortgages. That, that's allowed us to, to enter into that market. Was it easy to make that pivot? It was just, a, for us, it was a case of taking down our online marketing and uploading advertising and um, adverts with regards money saving, switching out loans and, and the people that we were, we were targeting. So the software doesn't change. We still had the option within the platform from, from day one for people looking to refinance or release equity from their properties. It was just never going to be our main focus. And then with, with the onset of, of COVID, we just kind of pivoted our acquisition uh, and went after the, the existing market. And, the existing market is actually about three times the size of the new purchase market per year. So there's a huge pool of existing homeowners who would obviously be looking to make savings on, I mean, their mortgage is their biggest commitment on a monthly basis. They're looking to make savings against that. And it's really played into our hands that not only can we do business as a company, but we're in a position to, to help 
our customers and, and new customers to, to make savings and, and put themselves in a better financial position in these, these tough times. What I'm interested in is how quickly you did pivot and change your business plan to meet the new demands of, of the market. Were you hesitant at all or was this the opportunity and you needed to grab it now? We, we actually lost, I mean, for myself, kind of very briefly, we, we had obviously a pipeline of new um, purchase clients we were working with. And myself, I lost, I think it was six clients over a space of three days who obviously you understandably said, look, I'm going to put this on hold for the next three to four months, see, see where everything lies. And we had to act quickly. So yeah, it was, it was a decision that had to be made and, and we did move pretty, pretty fast on that. There was a few other factors that played into our benefit there as well. Um, as a result of what, what you would consider to be uh, a disaster, interest rates had dropped significantly, which allows people to make their savings and also the land department had put measures in place to support people that are looking to buy properties or refinance so they increased what we call loan to value ratios from 75% to 80% so previously the refinance market wasn't a market that we could approach as easy as it is now post-covid or, or during covid effectively and um, so there, there was many factors in place that, that helped us make the decision from the loss of people postponing their purchase to unlocking a new market, it made the decision fairly easy and a very prompt decision as well. So to, to quantify that, we made the decision literally overnight that this all needed to be changed. And the following day, we put measures in place to, to approach this market. It was a bit of new copy for the adverts, um, some new designs, and, and obviously we just kind of changed our focus and, and who we were targeting. So it was kind of a 48-hour turnaround on, we, we just pivoted our acquisition channels. And in terms of the consumer trends and habits at the moment, are people comfortable with taking out a loan online? And do you think this is something that will continue once lockdown begins to end? Yeah, I think throughout the, the process of our working with WAMDA, one of the big things that we learned was about validation and we had a concept that we believed would work. Um, obviously, we hadn't set a, a site up, channeled a lot of business through it. So when we did launch kind of mid-February, it was with an element of kind of hesitance because, okay, we didn't know what traction there was going to be. So we started driving traffic through to the website and, and the figures we were, were getting from the outset, from day one, and, and tracking people's journey through the site, we were actually surprised in the number of people who were comfortable using the site, were completing the application online, and the number of cases, as I say, from, from day one has kind of increased month on month on month by about 100%. So I, I think we, we did do validation, and we were, we were seeing kind of the end users, the questions were, would, would an online application and tracking service assist in you in you buying a property there was a unanimous yes to that we'd also spoken to the real estate industry obviously a big player for for introducing business to us over 80 percent of the agents said it would make their life easier in closing business and um, that their customers have assurances that the the loan can be tracked they are approved uh, online so i think these different facets have kind of come together and it's a new concept we we we're not naive. We don't think that every single person will be comfortable on this. 
but the volumes of business that we are seeing coming through the site prove that there's a huge market for this and, and obviously uh, room for expansion further. All right. And finally, how was the Wanda X experience? Why did you guys decide to apply to this program and how did it benefit you, if at all? <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Wanda X was not a difficult decision when we got the offer through uh, to join. Um, we were both very, very excited and jumped at the opportunity. Now, throughout the program, it starts with introducing you to initially mentors. Now, mentors are obviously a key part when, when growing a company. Uh, we've met mentors who have now um, become advisors to us um, and these advisors are helping us grow and expand our network uh, and also it helps us validate our, our product itself. Following that we, we worked with um, various external companies that, that WAMDA had arranged for us uh, to help us really hone in on our value proposition. Now the value proposition was probably key to us understanding Everything from a consumer point of view, it's very easy to lose sight from a, a, as a business um, as to your product and build it from a product point of view, whereas um, it really allowed us to, to look at it from a consumer aspect and build our product going forward with the, the consumer at heart. So what, what is the consumer actually looking for rather than what do we think that they need? Um, and then not only that, building our product out more. So, so what additional features or expansion plans can we put in place um, and effectively build our product from our vision into to what our vision is now? They're two completely different things. Um, I think scale is, is kind yeah. of the big thing to take away. Where, where we're at now, we went in with, a, as Michael said, a vision, which is probably 30% of what we came out looking to to construct what we're, what we're proceeding with now was when we first started kind of envisaging this idea 18 months ago this is what we wanted to build we thought it was going to be too big um, a task to do that wanda helped us kind of piece this together put together a roadmap is okay how do we go about this over the next three years to build the solution that benefits everybody and has a real impact within the region and the different parties that were involved in the WAMDirect program just really helped us kind of piece that together and, and, and polish our product for, for launch and expansion going forward. So what's next for Hollow now? Staff, <laughs> growth. Um, yeah, we, we, we moved into new offices, which was on the cards prior to, to WAMDA. We've got recruitment, ongoing um, development of tech. We're speaking to various CTOs um, of well-established firms here in, uh, in Dubai who are helping us and again, mentoring and guiding us on the, the tech side. We don't come from a tech background, so that in itself is invaluable. And we, we've just laid out kind of the next 12 months, um, worked on our financials, our goals, and it's kind of full steam ahead. Even though we're, we're kind of on semi-lockdown with, with COVID, we're, we're pressing on and, and the number of applications and people coming through the site is, is kind of increasing week by week. So there's, there's kind of no rest for us at the moment. All right. Well, thank you for doing this podcast and best of luck to you. No problem. Thank, thank you, you very, very much, Triska. Nice speaking to you. The pandemic has changed attitudes across many sectors, particularly in mobility. I spoke with Adam Whitnall, the founder of Simply New Cars, about the change in attitude and also his experience at Wanda X. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the Wanda podcast. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, so tell us a little bit about Simply New Cars. How did the idea come about and what exactly is it that you do? So the idea came about a couple of years ago when I was searching for a new car myself uh, and I discovered that there weren't any resources online that enabled you to do the same kind of search that you would traditionally have to go into a car dealership to do uh, in order to you know do that initial research around finding a car. So that was what kind of uh, prompted the whole idea. Uh, and what we've done off the back of that is created a platform that allows people to find all of the information they need about any new car in the market without having to physically step foot in the dealership. They can find all the information completely on our platform. Uh, they can take steps to book test drives and get in contact with the dealership. And we're currently working on functionality to allow them to go all the way through to actually purchasing the vehicle on the site uh, and everything to do with that as well. And when did you launch the product? It was launched just over a year ago. So we launched on the 8th of May last year. Uh, and we've been uh, having some really nice success in the market so far. We've got over 10,000 monthly users using the platform. Uh, and we're really you know, encouraged by what we're seeing and, uh, and how it's going. And we're hoping that we'll be able to continue delivering really good um, uh, and worthwhile uh, tools for people, for car buyers, to be able to keep doing what they need to do, especially with the current uh, virus situation and people not wanting to physically go and visit those dealerships so they can use Simply New Cars for that. It sounds very pandemic friendly, um, but do people feel comfortable enough to go through with the entire purchasing process without having seen a car or the car in real life? They're getting there. It's, um, it's a, uh, you know, it's an evolving world and, you know, people are used to e-commerce. Um, obviously, this is a much larger purchase than most people are, are used to making online. And for a lot of people, they still want to go and see and touch and feel the car and the metal before they make that purchase. So, you know, the majority of people at the moment uh, uh, want to do that initial kind of 50% of the process online, uh, but then the most people still want to go into the dealership for the final process but that is shifting that is changing um and you've got dealerships like uh some of the big electric car manufacturers who are going exclusively online so it really is the future and i think we're going to see a lot more consumer confidence in the ability to buy a car online moving forward uh and we're making sure that we're at the forefront of that to to ensure that the product is ready for when people do have that confidence so when the lockdown first happened and the pandemic began to spread, how did it impact your business and how, how did you respond to it? So, of course, as soon as the, the sanitation drive was put in place by the government, we saw a big drop off in traffic simply because people were unable to get out and, and, and do that car buying process anymore. Um, we did some research on users over the Ramadan period and 35% of them said that they did still want to go and buy a car, but they were simply restricted by the fact that they couldn't due to the fact they couldn't actually visit the dealership. Uh, and with the fact that so many dealerships don't have an e-commerce uh, offering, they just weren't able to make that purchase. So we saw a, so saw a significant drop off and increase, but then as soon as the sanitation drive started to ease at the beginning of Ramadan, um, and and since then we've seen much more interest both on our platform itself and uh, throughout the industry you know we're hearing a lot of reports from the dealerships that that footfall is is drastically increasing again 
I think it will remain fairly slow over summer because the, the summer period is, is simply a slow period anyway. Uh, so it will really be Q4 of this year that will uh, that will start to tell how we're going to recover and how the industry will recover from the current crisis. Do you think uh, the pandemic has incentivized people to purchase cars, their own private vehicle, as opposed to using car sharing apps and these other mobility apps that would expose you more to the virus? Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, it's been evidenced where we we have good relationships with some of these, uh, you know, car sharing platforms out there. Uh, and they've certainly taken quite a big hit. Uh, and Kareem have been fairly candid about the fact that they are expecting to see a decrease in um, in users of their platform over the over the short term whether we'll see any kind of long-term change in behavior based on that is yet to be seen uh i i wouldn't be surprised if uh within the next three to four years we're back to where we were um pre pre uh pre-virus because people just simply uh, you know people have short memories and uh once the the virus is is kind of gone from being front and center i think people will start to relax but certainly at the moment we're we're seeing a reduction in that and there have been various bodies that have done some surveys uh, uh i know that uh smp did one in the us and they found that around 30 percent of people said that they would no longer be taking public transport or um, any kind of sharing option that they had done in the past and would be looking to private vehicle ownership to keep themselves and their family safe. Did this pandemic change your business model at all? Did you have to consider something different? There, I mean, we're, we're really lucky in the sense that the primary business model, you know, enabling people to, to do as much of the purchases they're comfortable with online just lends itself really well, as you alluded to earlier, to the current crisis. So we haven't had to change too much uh, as a result of that, other than to uh, what we're doing is we're really kind of doubling down on our software, doubling down on uh, on the design of the website and bringing in some new features to really help people to do that. So I think the virus has really accelerated uh, our um, our drive to do that and our, our desire to make sure that we're hitting as much of those touch points for consumers and, and ensuring that product market fit um, as, as well as possible to allow people to take that process on board. Um, one change that we are making is that we've, you know, we're seeing a lot of evidence of people uh, in, in financial struggles and potentially, you know, people who were looking at a new car purchase previously and maybe now looking more towards a car that's one or two years old. Uh, so that's a market that we're going to be starting to address within the next few months. Um, so the, the platform will morph a little to also focus on the nearly new segment as well as simply new cars. So that's a very exciting change that we're, uh, that we're looking forward to. And uh, we're working closely with the dealerships to, uh, to ensure that we have their inventory on so that we're pushing only those, uh, those used approved vehicles from the authorized dealerships that are one to two years old so that we can open our product offering a little wider to, uh, to people who, have, you know, who are having those financial struggles and perhaps aren't looking to buy a completely new car anymore. So was that always part of the plan to open it up to nearly new or used cars? Um, or is this something that just accelerated or was it a response to the pandemic? Yeah, it, it was always there in, 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 in the long term plans, uh, but it, it's certainly been accelerated. Yes, it was 
before the you know if we if we rewound back six months ago to the start of the year it's not something that we would have been considering implementing within the next one to two years so the virus situation while it didn't completely um, introduce the concept to us it certainly uh, kind of made us rethink at the time scales and 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 made us realize that actually introducing this side of the business now would be really beneficial to people. So what happens when you do have to accelerate your plans? Do you have to prioritize certain resources into various areas or is it just um, normal day at work kind of thing? <laughs> well, as you know, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, you're, you're always juggling a, a fair few things at any given time and uh, you've got to keep the plate spinning. But it, I mean, for us, we were you know, we're lucky in a way that people aren't buying cars at the moment. I know that sounds a bit silly, but what it means is that we're not focusing so heavily on our marketing. We're not focusing so heavily on on trying to get people on board to the platform. So we're able to save a little time in our day-to-day work and in what we're doing in terms of our strategy and things like that by by not having so much of a focus on that area and by really being able to pivot that focus and um, and give that focus to growing and developing and building the business and the platform and making sure we've got all the tech in place so that later on in the year and early next year when things start to really pick up um, hopefully we've got everything in place and then we can start to switch that focus back to really bringing people on board the platform and uh, and really pushing hard in that sense. Okay and uh, let's talk a little bit about X and your experience why did you apply to the fellowship program and how did you find it? I applied. I was uh, recommended to apply by a, a contact I had in the industry who who let me know about the program. And uh, once I look at, looked into it, it just seemed like an excellent opportunity to, um, you know, to really connect with some some other like minded businesses to to really take advantage of Wanda's expertise and their reputation in the market um, and their, you know, their track record in, in incubating and growing and uh, and building companies. So, you know, I was really, really excited to be associated with such a powerful brand in the Middle East and to really kind of see what that expertise would give me and and how that would allow me to evolve. And, you know, I can certainly say that the program absolutely did not disappoint. You know, it was brilliant in the sense that it really helped to, you know, focus and refine uh, the product and to really yeah really accelerate what i was doing with the business you know beforehand as, as a first-time entrepreneur the, there were so many mistakes that i've made and, and that i continue to make but being part of the wonder program really helped to identify where a lot of uh, those kind of common mistakes are and, and how they can be made and how you can mitigate that and and, and move forward to make sure that you're making those mistakes as um, as seldom as possible and uh, and really moving forward and, and growing. Uh, and I found my co-founder through the, the WAMDA program as well. So I'm ever thankful uh, for that too. Let's talk about kind of your top three takeaways from the program and also that experience of finding your co-founder through the program. Sure. Uh, top three takeaways. I would say, as I said, connecting with the other uh, fellows in the program was was absolutely invaluable. You know, looking at other businesses and, you know, some in the same stage as what I'm in, some in an earlier stage, some in a slightly more advanced stage was incredibly useful to to have that kind of benchmark and that um, to, to, to be able to base myself against and to really um, see the mistakes that other people have made and and to help people to not make the same mistakes that I've made at the, by the same token. So, 
yeah, working with the other the other companies in the in the program was was brilliant. I think secondly, drawing from Wanda's expertise, you know, the, such a great team, you know, all of you in the office there and uh, and everyone involved with Wanda, um, you know, not just the direct Wanda team, but all of the uh, the mentors as part of the program and, and everyone that's associated with it, just being surrounded by that expertise is is absolutely invaluable because you, you learn so quickly and that's, that's absolutely uh, incredible. And then, yeah, I guess... My third takeaway has to be that that finding a co-founder through the program. So uh, that came about by uh, by a conversation with one of the other uh, team members who was on the program with me, and uh, he had worked with uh, with David, my co-founder, in the past. And basically, after a while, he he kind of just thought, you know what, I think you and David will really get along. You guys should have a chat. And uh, that's where it all started, just a, a simple phone call. And uh, we expected to be on the phone for 15 minutes to to have a bit of a chat and introduce ourselves to one another. And we ended up talking for two and a half hours on that on that very first phone call. So, you know, as far as co-founders are concerned, I can definitely say it was love at first sight. So long may it continue. So did you join the program looking for a co-founder or did it just happen at uh, love at first sight as you said it was something that i was always very open to um i i was very much of the mindset that i didn't want to force it i didn't want to you know try and find a co-founder for the sake of doing so but at the same time i recognized the you know the strength in having someone to work alongside you and to to share the burden and to share the you know the excitement and to share everything about the business so yeah, it's not something that I was specifically looking for, but it's definitely something that I was hoping to find. I guess that's the best way to put it. And I was just incredibly lucky that stars aligned and that I was able to, um, you know, to be introduced to someone who has such a good alignment with me in terms of um, a skill set that complements mine uh, and and a vision that complements mine as well. So what's next for Simply New Cars? Well, we're uh, keeping our heads down at the moment while the market's fairly quiet and we're getting our tech built. We're, uh, we're, we're super excited about where we're going and we're going to have a new product that we're launching within the next couple of months, um, you know, a complete relaunch of the website to be a lot more, um, uh, just, just a lot better in, in, in a ton of different ways. Uh, so yeah, that's that's it really. We're forging ahead. We're gonna um we're gonna we're gonna explode out of the blocks in the in the later part of this year and uh, watch this space because uh, I think it will be uh, it will be a very exciting time for uh, car purchases over the next uh, two to three years. All right, Adam. Thank you very much for your time and best of luck. No problem. Thank you. I'd like to thank all our interviewees for taking part and thanks to you for listening. You can listen to all of our podcasts on wonder.com or through your podcast provider.